0: Welcome back to Art's About.
1: Sure, about art that's a work of art in itself. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, John. Good Been morning. hang gliding? No, I don't like hang gliding. Good morning, Sally. Sorry, Sally. Good
0: oh, morning. Oh, that's all right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you both. Hope you're enjoying your holidays. Yeah. Hang well, we're gliding. We're always on
1: holiday. You know that.
0: Yes. yes, well, that's true, that mm. is true.
1: Always uh, working as well. But it's still
0: nice like. to be, you know, lovely weather and, you know.
1: Yeah, sure, else
0: those is. people would go
2: home,
1: but anyway. Yes, it's true. It's like I only said here. hang gliding because I thought it was the least likely thing that <laughs> Mark might have been doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine Mark in a hang glider, can you? <laughs> You're listening to Arts About, which is brought to you by the generosity of the McClellan Sculpture Park and Gallery. And you're back here in the RPP studios with our facsimiles for the summertime series of Arts About. in Residence and Cultural Sounding Board, John Baird. The Thermodynamic, Mark Stewart. And me, as always, Sally Bailey. As same as last week, we're going to be playing you some of our selected faves from over the years, some of the things that we think that you should, that deserve to be listened to again. And this week we have got, who have we got this week? Um, Oh, this week we're going to be talking with Lisa Byrne, the director of the McClellan Gallery, who's going to be talking to us a little bit about the gallery. And Will Bailey takes us on board the Australia 2, the famous 12 metre yacht that won America's Cup in 1983. And Will and Swanee are going to be telling us a story about the International Space Station. Oh, so yes. Yes, which is an oldie, but a goodie. Yes. Uh, and, of course, a little music to mix it up. So uh, enjoy the show. The McClellan Gallery and Sculpture Park is arguably the most important sculpture gallery in Australia and is dedicated to promoting understanding of Australian, modern and contemporary sculpture and also leading the international discussion about art and its relationship with its natural environment. Its director, Lisa Byrne, took over its stewardship eight months ago and we're very glad to have her in here with us today to tell us what's been happening since she took the helm. Good morning, Lisa Byrne. Welcome to Arts About.
3: Hello and thank you for having me. Thank you so much for
0: coming in. Since its first phase with its establishment in the 1970s and thanks to the vision of Annie May McClellan for that the gallery has expanded and developed into its second phase with the generosity of Dame Elizabeth Murdoch and it's doubled in size and increased its visitors numbers and acquired a significant Mm -hmm. collection now and it's entered into its third phase the website tells us. What's in the pipeline Lisa? We've
3: got quite a bit in the pipeline, things that I can talk about and things that I
1: can't talk well, it's about. it's good to have Selling secrets. Drugs. You don't so have to tell us everything. Right. I
3: won't tell everything. Um, most recently, I think we spoke about um, a little while ago, was the announcement of the Sarah and Bailey Education Pavilion that we're currently building. Yep. So that's all on track, and we're looking to open uh, in December this year. Oh, really? It's that soon? I was that very soon. excited, because I was there on the
0: day when the first sod was turned with the children, and and uh, Sarah and Bales were there, which is very exciting to it see them. It was very exciting. Where well, are they going
1: to put all the bins now?
3: Good questions.
0: <laughs> well, that, like I didn't even know that little area was there really until it, the until terrace that so many, was mm. sort of a little forgotten nook around the back yeah, of the
3: it building, was. and didn't quite, I think, ever sort of fulfil its um, mission from when the building was first built by Colin Munro and Philip Sargent in 1971. Um, so the idea was to um, basically fill it in and make it a beautiful um, space, pavilion space that looks out over the park. And Kirsten Thompson Architects did that for us. Yeah. And it it will be spectacular. Mm -hmm. So, um, and we'll have concerts, we'll have making, we'll have all sorts of terrific creative activities for people, lectures. It'll be able to be used after hours for events and corporate, corporate hire and things like that, so we 're very excited about its sort of multi purpose use for us yeah above its core focus of education
0: because added to the you know core, one of the core sort of ideas of McClellan, which you talk, talks about in the on the website, which is this relationship between art and the natural environment in a way that that is the portal isn't it that is the because it had its
3: back, seemed to have its back closed beforehand. It did, yes, that's yeah. right. And I think for it, education is a way to bring everyone to art and and the experience of artistic practice and to think about ideas and inspire and and you know you know sorry inspire and to get us thinking imaginatively about our world, what's happening in our world, how we can contribute to that. And then artists bring out these amazing ideas through different media and practice, and we do it through sculpture. Um, and more and more through its relationship with the environment as well and positive well-being. Mm. Um, our health is all about our mind and our body and our soul. And yes. that is something that comes out through our experience with art. Absolutely, and
0: it's it's so much more a part of ordinary dialogue these days and, and the... Um, mm. Certainly even the education of children, we are talking much, much more
3: about the environment. It's on our minds all the time really now. It is. And Mm -hmm. the wonderful thing about being the director at McClelland is people share their stories and experiences of McClelland with me and invariably they involve family experiences Um, they come one woman actually told me not long ago that the week before her mother died she and her family brought her mother who was unwell to mcclelland and they had a family picnic day they walked around the park as much Mm. as they could they had lunch saw the exhibitions and her mother died the following week and she said that really that memory and that day for her family were significant for her and she um, has a very special place in her heart for mcclelland because of that Another woman yesterday at uh, Baluk Patsy, was telling me that her daughter used to come along and join in to different concert activities that were happening through the gallery, in the park, in the holidays. And her daughter, has she's still got this poster, she's a young woman now, I believe, in her early 20s, of an experience of Alice in Wonderland in one of the exhibitions in the park. It was a public program. And her daughter still has very fond memories, comes with her family now to McClellan. So I hear these stories constantly, and it's actually a bit of a mission of mine, and I'm putting it out there to all your listeners. If you've got a story about McClelland, please email us on the gallery website mm-hmm. or ring us up and share it because we'd really like to create a real sort of momentum through our social media about the relevance of McClellan in our community here in you know in the city of Frankston, an area where we are, but on the Mornington Peninsula, in Victoria, in Australia and then internationally as Australia's only sort of public gallery sculpt park. I've
1: got a little story about McClellan. When Ooh. I was driving out of the driveway there one day, there were a couple who presumably had been walking along there and they were looking in through the gate and uh, perhaps hadn't seen the sign saying mcclellan gallery and they were looking at the sculptures in the parkland and i drove up and uh, stopped next to them and they asked me whether or not that was my place and uh, after i assured them that it was <laughs> <they> <laughs> They looked at my car and doubted my response. <laughs> <I think. laughs>
3: and that is another thing about that beautiful building that was built in 1971. It does have a sense of presence as a gallery and um, sort of museum-like feel, but it also does have a wonderful sense of family-scale building. You know, yeah. it's a large family home in a way, and that's something that I really, I'm really keen to foster about McClelland Is people do walk in the door and they feel very welcome wherever. Yes. They just look around. They can head in three different directions immediately. And they know where they are and what what they can expect. Yes, mm-hmm. it's not overly
0: grand or um,
3: no, and, oh, yeah. over, oh, overwhelming. And there's people walking everywhere. They're walking between the shop and the cafe mm-hmm. and th- through the two galleries, back out into the park, back inside mm-hmm. again. So it is interesting that yeah, you say is that your ha- was, they, was, they told, was that your home <laughs> on the park? Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, Splash
0: has just finished all the. the, or the uh, Competition, or not competition, the for Entries has closed this week. Did. Um, how did that go? We've got lots of... We lots have
3: the f- fabulous entries, I mm-hmm. have to say, um, and we're selecting that next week. Ah, so very soon. Very soon. So yeah. I'm very excited about that. We have um, the first director of McClelland, Carl Andrews, so some of your listeners may remember him. Uh, Carl's coming down. He lives in Sydney now to help select. I'll be selecting, and also Michaela Dwyer, a contemporary sculptor, Um The show will be selected down for the two galleries. And then our judges are Linda Michael and Samantha Comte. Wonderful. So that's an acquisitive
0: prize. And it's a $30,000 acquisitive prize, isn't it? And a $10,000 highly commended.
3: Yes. Fabulous. That's exciting. A new initiative. And I'm not sure that there are many, um, which is partly why we've started this initiative, uh, watercolour prizes to that level for contemporary watercolour practice. So we're we're very happy about it. I don't know
1: of another one, but... uh, I don't know of another one, but uh, I I guess uh, works on paper prizes would um, cover watercolour as well as... um, They
3: do. Mm -hmm. We have... Given we've put a contemporary slant on the the use of watercolour, we have sort of said it has to be... The work has to be 80%... Made or u- use of watercolour, right. how that presents itself could be quite an interesting thing. And I mean, that I encourage visitors sure. to come and see because, given that we're we're wanting to include the traditional watercolour community, right. but mm-hmm. we're also wanting to include artists who are thinking and using the medium in a completely different way yeah. as well. So. Is that an annual or biannual? We're happy to do it every two years. Every two years, yes. yes and yeah, it's correct. funded through the Fenari bequest, which was um, we're very uh, proud of that at McClelland. Um The family left the money for works on paper and painting yep. acquisition so they that's where we get the, um, prize, the prize award mm, from yes yeah. so we're very fortunate
0: uh, obviously a very important part of the funding model for any um, art in particularly
3: institution these days because it is so tough isn't it it is tough and it's um it's yeah we, we are very fortunate I have to say to have that as an ongoing legacy that yeah. we can um, use for to acquire and continue to grow the McClellan collection Another fabulous thing that's going on, there's been an announcement about uh, the fifth instalment in the Southern Way um, series. There is. So we've just announced um, the beautiful Love Flower piece to go on the Cranbourne Road exit. So our beautiful reflecting lullaby, uh, Chrome Gnome. Chrome Gnome, affectionately referred to as <laughs> yeah.
0: well. Or, or other things less Other things, I'm sure,
3: yes. We'll be coming into the collection of McClelland and the beautiful Love Flower by John Mead and Emily Karanga Nikolopoulos. My apologies to Greek listeners if I got, got that incorrect. i, I was, was do my best. Yeah. Um, Emily and John have put a beautiful work together, uh, drawing on Ikebana, sculptural form, and the um, Agapantha which I know is a contentious
2: plant it is, it, it on the, is.
3: and not well-loved by some on the Palinchina.
0: I think it's an old-fashioned plant. I think yes. it is very loved by the, by the institute, you know, the old-fashioned, and, and it is abhorred by the environmentalists and yes. botanical <laughs> lovers amongst us. Yes, that's right. And
3: it's a spectacular work, um, incredibly elegant, twisted form, with a beau- two beautiful flowers at the top, that will actually be illuminated with um, LED lighting at night. Oh, so,
1: okay. so, has there been some consideration given to how engaging that is with the freeway? Because the gnome, I have to say, is a little elusive at times. It, um, you know, it's, it's fine from the overpass, but going past on the freeway, it's a little difficult to engage it is, with.
3: That's right, John. It is tricky to see um, from. Particularly coming towards um, the city up the yeah. freeway, you can't yeah. see it. Um, it is around 12 metres high, I believe. Okay. I expect at night you will see some illumination of the LED lighting, right. and they will, you know. Th- my feeling is that it's going to look a little bit like um, a constant firework, right. rather than that explosion yeah. of colour disappearing. Yeah. It will be a sort of beautiful hovering right. form. A
1: static fire. Yeah, a
3: static yeah. fire type thing. Yeah, yeah, probably a little more subtle than a fire, yeah. but. Yeah. Um, you will see it in that way. I think to appreciate it, though, you will still need to come up the exit and drive through that
1: crossing. On your way to McClelland. Yes.
0: Yes. On your way to McClelland, <laughs> that's yes. right. Yes. yes, and you can always make a detour, even if you're just heading north. You can come up the ramp and go down the ramp you again.
3: You can, that's yes. right, and experience no both, speeding, both sides. That's <laughs> right, no
0: speeding, no, that's right. Um, now, John,
3: one of the one of the two, is a local, isn't he? He is. John mm. grew up in Lane Warren. Yes. Um, And, in fact, he still has some family members living in Langwarren. So we're absolutely delighted. He did attend school here for a while, I believe Frankston High, and then um, I think he moved... Moved away at some point at that part way through his um, higher education, but he has a long-standing um, yeah, connection Link with here. Yeah. yeah, it's terrific. Well, so that's terrific. great. I hope
0: at some point we've talked briefly off air, and uh, I hope in the f- near future we might get him in to tell us a little bit about it. I would love that very much. Yes, yes, yes that would be so fantastic. Well, the other thing I wanted to ask you about I, I what is what is it like you have stepped into this role here at McClellan which is as you've been alluding to it this gallery's been here for a very long time and there's a whole process that's been in place for funding and uh, Dame Elizabeth has passed on and that that model has really changed is it a really diff- is it a difficult job is is a lot of your job about funding
3: finding now um it is it is a big part of my job mm. definitely um I have a very special place in my heart for McClelland. I always have had it, being a curator and coming from an arts background. Also someone who is um, particularly interested in social history and that connection of art and social history as well and telling stories about our people and in that sort of anthropological way. For me, McClelland is really about the experience of all of those things together. It's about the fact that it has an environmental experience, it's about the art, it's about all of the different families. I mean, the, the McClellan family who started it, it was Australia's first private funded museum. Ah, so it is quite significant bad. in the art history yeah. of Australia in that large sense. I mean, there were others in different contexts, but McClellan, it was the first of its kind. And the, whilst the gallery is, um, runs on a, you know, a publicly funded model and we have tax deductibility basis, for gifts and donations it is it is definitely tricky in the current environment for all arts organizations mm. um, particularly small to medium is the yes. community we're in we have to be very entrepreneurial um, we have to think very hard about where we're spending our money and who benefits and getting them you know maximizing that and having what um, we all call at the moment impactful investment across the board whether it's artistic there's a whole new language mm-hmm. uh, the whole um, the experience in the park so it is a challenge, definitely, but it's a great challenge, and I love it. And uh, as I've said, I really do enjoy all the stories that I hear. I um, see the efforts for all of the hard work that our staff put in. We've got a fantastic education um, coordinator there, Imogen Good, who's going to be exp- you know expanding our education offer. We have about four to five thousand children from you know early, early preschool groups. In fact, you've probably seen someone, we have been posting some of our lovely little family um, crash groups that come mm-hmm. round around the park, through to high school um, students coming and learning about the story of modernist sculpture, for instance, yep. in Australia, because we're the only place that can tell that. And, you know, students can go off, they have a set program around that, and they can, you know, self-guide, learn, discuss, and then they come back into the building itself and talk to us about it mm. as well. And of course, um, we're about to
0: come into the school holidays in the next sort of 10 days. Oh. And nearly always, um,
3: McClellan has holiday programs specifically for kids. There are. So there's quite a bit. There's a, some weaving happening. There's some um, insect exploration taking place in the park as well. So if you jump on our website, all of that offer is currently, and it's actually been a boost up, put on Facebook, I think, this week another sort of round up again. So they are limited in number so I do Recommend everyone get on and book fairly quickly because they do book out. I think we've got it three each week at the
0: moment. Yes, off the top
3: of my head. You've also got some other really
0: interesting things, too. There's um, uh, the, of course, you've got Sani Maestrom's Black Paintings, which is on, which is an exhibition that runs to the um, 11th of November. Yes. But you've also got a talk, haven't you, coming up about Atlas of uh, Memory? We do.
3: So the two current exhibitions Black Paintings by Sani Maestrom, who is also a local artist. Oh, I yes. did not know that. She is, not for too much longer, but she is. She's actually just taken a very fabulous um, job in Sydney, which is very good for her but very sad for us. So um, Sana will be moving away. But um, she's still our local artist, so we're very happy to have her in the Elizabeth Murdoch Gallery. Um, and she will. She had to unfortunately cancel her artist talk recently because she was unwell, but we're hoping she'll come back. So I might let you know oh, about that'd that be date good. so others yep. can come. Um, and then we have the Gordon Ford show yes. Yes, um, by Annette Warner. So Annette's doing her PhD all on Gordon Ford and his contribution to the bushland garden movement here, or really the, the founder of it. Um, and she's been um, working through the family archive. There's an extensive archive that Gordon left, and she's the first researcher that's been given access. So she's got this wonderful show that sort of depicts all of the connections of Gordon through Alastair Knox Uh, Peter Glass, the musician, uh, the Heidelberg School artists, um, Max Meldrum, and all of these sort of influences, music, environment, um, uh, activism around land management and preservation of forests and things like that. She's brought all this together in the show and then looked at the way Gordon used rocks and landscape design to create a bushland setting that looks like it's a natural setting. It doesn't. Mm. A lot of them have also been bulldozed through over time more recently, which is very sad because People don't realise that it's, it's actually, actually a very created. beautifully worked natural setting that they don't realise has been cultivated. Goodness me! So Annette's speaking on the 9th of November. Yep, in the gallery. Um, so it's a really terrific opportunity to come. She's a lecturer, but she doesn't give a lot of public lectures. So I do recommend if you are interested in bushland, sort of environmental issues, the legacy of how arts and the environment crossover, which is what McClellan's all about. Yeah. this is a perfect show for that. Come and hear Annette speak,
0: and, and you probably need to book as well.
3: Yes, Let's try and book
0: again. Yes. It's been wonderful talking to you today, Lisa Byrne. Um, it's very exciting. We will put those dates up on our Facebook page as well, and links to links to all of those things. And and we can't wait to perhaps be talking to some of the to the two artists about the
3: the new Southern Way installation which is coming yes. up. It's not until next year though it goes in, is it? That's right. So it's in development yep. now, and uh, it will actually put, be put in around July August next year. All going well. I would like to add one small yes, special do. mention if that's all right before yes. we finish up. Um, please be in touch with McClellan. We're having a fundraiser, which is going to be a very special event at um, the Herring Island Environmental Sculpture Park. It is extremely limited in number because it is a special tour just for us. Morty Palmer, AO, will be giving a guided tour. Morty curated the first, the whole offer there. There's an Andy Goldsworthy work there. There's is Jill there Park work there?
1: That's on the Yarrow. Is
3: it, it is it? on yeah. the You've Yarrow. you talked about farm. Herring Island. Didn't you swim there once?
1: know oh, that was uh, Donna McGree. <laughs> 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 um,
3: so we'll be doing the tour and then there will be a high tea hosted um, at, at, at a home not far away we'll be walking to. So it is a fundraiser for McClelland. It is, as I said, extremely limited. So it's first in, best, best dressed. dressed. Wonderful, Not good to news. be missed, though. Opportunities don't like that. Like yes. this don't um, pop up very often. Stop press listing. Yes. That's so I'm, I'm winding it up for McClelland in that way. It'll be a very beautiful afternoon. Um, November
0: the 15th. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for talking to us today and coming into Arts About Studios. It's great. Lisa Byrne, um, if you have any uh, interest at all in the arts, you better get down to McClelland over the next little while. There's so much to do and see down there.
1: Or even if you don't.
0: Well, that's right. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) Thank you,
3: Lisa. Thank you, John.
2: I grew up in the 1950s and 60s when Australia excelled at sport. Some winters... Uh, my older brother and I listened to the radio broadcasts after midnight, direct from Australia's first challenges for America's Cup, which was the premier sailing event in the world. Uh, we hid our transistor radios under our pillows, and we had little earpieces so our parents wouldn't know wouldn't know that we were still awake. Anyway, I heard the commentary. I heard the fog horns around Newport in Rhode Island. Uh, I heard the sound of the bell on the America's Cup, boy. I first heard the names Jock Sturrock and Bus Mossbacker, Jim Hardy and Dennis Connor, the 12 metre yachts Gretel, Dame Patty, Constellation and and Intrepid. Later on, when I was a bit older, I read The Great Gatsby, which was set in the same area. There was Block Island and Martha's Vineyard, fogs and twinkling lights, lobster boats and waterfront bars, etc. I felt very familiar with the place by then and in 1974 I joined a group that travelled to Rhode Island to see Alan Bond's first challenge with his boat Southern Cross. In that group were Jock Starrick and Bill Northam, two legendary Australian racing sailors who, who I met and got on well with. And On the wharf in Newport I met Bob Miller who later became Ben Lexon. I also met Alan Bond for the first time. And really, by incredible circumstances, I had an opportunity to apply for a crew position for the 1983 America's Cup Challenge. Alan Bond had a new boat, and I was flown to Fremantle in 1982 for the first of the intensive crew training periods. Uh, That was followed by a four-month training base in Williamstown in Victoria, which was not far from where I lived. We trained and we raced against the Victorian Challenge 12 syndicate who were also headed to the America's Cup Trials in Newport, Rhode Island. Eventually, I was picked as one of the 32 members of Alan Bond's 1983 America's Cup Challenge. And it really seemed like a dream. I I could hardly believe that here I was on the same team as Benny Lexon and Alan Bond, sailing on a radical new 12-metre yacht, Australia 2. I was part of a team of highly accomplished racing sailors, And we worked hard. I was an Olympic oarsman and the sail training was comparable. A 12 metre yacht is crewed by 11 people and only 12 people ever raced on Australia 2 during America's Cup competition. I was one of those. I was the starboard grinder on Australia 2. These are the blokes that turn the big winches to control the sails. I also worked on the foredeck and in the sailmaking loft on shore. I remember one day out on the race course in Rhode Island Sound, lying low on the deck as we worked our way out ahead of our British opponent during the selection trials. I looked out and I thought to myself that this really must be a dream. And many people remember where they were on one particular day in September in 1983 when Australia 2 crossed the finish line to win America's Cup. The whole of Australia celebrated people swelled up with pride, and I think the country actually changed. The Prime Minister of the day, Bob Hawke, even declared a national holiday. It was the biggest sports story in Australian history. I want to take you on board our boat so you can get a feel for what it was like at the time. 12 metre yachts like Australia Two are about 20 metres long and they weigh about 25 tonnes. Australia Two was built of aluminium. They're quite heavy and quite slow, but they're very efficient sailing craft. They've got huge sails which are controlled by winches, which are powered by muscle power. Our boat Australia 2, was beautifully prepared and maintained. We did everything ourselves with um, very little outside assistance. We looked after our boat like you would a newborn baby. We worked on it, we did 18 hour days, for months on end, we built all our own masts and spars and our sails. After a summer of intense racing, we defeated all the other challenges and we earned the right to challenge for America's Cup. The final America's Cup series was an absolute cliffhanger. We had to come back from three races to one down to win the best of seven series in the final race. The lead changed several times during that final race, but Australia too prevailed and took the race by 41 seconds, and we changed the course of history on that day. We made audio recordings on board the boat during every race. These were designed to assist us if there was a race protest of any sort. And what you can hear now was recorded in the minute or so leading up to one of the America's Cup race starts in September, 1983. We have the rather complicated manoeuvring during the 10 minute pre-start period and you can hear the mechanical sounds coming from Australia too while she's been put under the stresses of racing. These stresses are enormous, there's more than 30 tonnes of pressure on the mast alone. That mast is nearly 30 metres tall and the Kevlar sails are as taut as drums. The Kevlar sheets, or ropes, which control the sails are wound around massive aluminium drum winches and the popping noises are the sound of these sheets being eased out and then cranked in again, inch by inch, as the boat is manoeuvred. What sounds like bells ringing is in fact the sound of winch drums spinning free at the times when the pressure has been released. There's a lot of noise and it might seem like a confusion of voices but in fact we had a very orderly system of communication on board. You can hear times, distances and other tactical decisions being made by the crew during the heat of competition. We're straining everything we can to get an advantage over our opponent. The pre-start process was like a 10 minute boxing match. Very physical, very exciting and very demanding. These are big boats with incredible power and we threw them around like fingers. A bit like doing circle work in a semi-trailer. We're competing one-on-one with both competitors trying to outmanoeuvre the other before the start gun. And we want to hit the start line at full speed but in a favourable position ahead of our opponent. We're trying to push him over the line early and he's trying to do the same to us. The 10-minute start sequence is very tense and a very exciting time. It's like playing aerobic chess. In fast motion. Every twist and turn of our yacht takes an immense physical effort by the crew. There's also a high level of noise from the many helicopters overhead and the sounds of hooters and horns and whistles from the several hundred spectator craft. We competed in about 50 races that summer in Newport, often intensely hot on shore more than 38 degrees or 100 degrees Fahrenheit but on the water it was almost always cool or cold. The combination of cold water and hot air meant frequent fogs. Uh, Narragansett Bay is famous for that. But on the final day, 26th of September 1983, we did eventually beat the New York Yacht Club's boat, Liberty, sailed by Dennis Pond. And in doing that, we broke a 132-year stranglehold by the New York Yacht Club over America's Cup. It had been the longest winning streak in the history of sport, And I hope you enjoyed being on board our famous boat for just a brief moment so that you might know what it was like. Hello, listeners to Arts About, and hello, Swanee. G'day, Will. Uh, That's a bit different to our last report, which we obtained, I think, by riding about 50 kilometres on the RPP tandem. Yes, it was very much a terrestrial report, that one. Well, this time we're actually in the Blue Scope studio for Arts About, and we're hoping today to create history for local radio because we're going to speak, we hope, directly with the International Space Station as it whizzes across the sky.
4: A bit of an uplink.
2: It is an uplink, and we've had to justify it to Brendan. He wanted to know what it had to do with the arts. And we discovered to our delight that the crew of the ISS... Uh, have been able to stream parts of Arts About as they go across and they've been listening to us rattling on to about local arts for some time and apparently they do enjoy hearing us. I have heard this. Yeah, and they've sent a message thanking us for our show that the commander of the ISS is a Russian and he's apparently a great fan of opera and he likes to paint when he's not out in space. Um, but because of the great speed of this thing, mm-hmm. uh, the ISS, we're only going to get a relatively short time to communicate. And what's and this chap's name? It's uh, Commander Colonel uh, Gennady Padalka. And he's a fan of the show. He is a fan of the show. He's, and he's, he, he loves the arts himself. Mm-hmm. But because we've got to wait until we get reception, we're going to ramble on probably here for a bit while we're waiting for the first signals to come through so that we can communicate Brendan is aware these uplinks are not cheap, isn't (laughs) he? Believe me, he's aware. Um, Look, I thought while we're waiting for the first signals to come, I could tell you. I saw a painting, a Tim Storia painting, magnificent, called The Evening Comet Line recently. I was just riveted by it. Do you know that painting at all? I don't. Look, it's got a large comet flying across an early evening sky. There's lots of stars. There's uh, little specks of fire in the distance. It's a beautiful, beautiful painting. And I wondered um, how many artists have been inspired by skies, both day and night. You know, it's it's uh, prompted me to think about how involved all of us humans get uh, with the sky. We. Well, you, are you a sky man? I think every human being is a sky person. Yep, I think we are. We look at it constantly. We're looking at weather, we look for time, we're looking at direction, we're looking for something as simple as rain. We know? look to
4: the heavens and wonder what the hell went wrong.
2: We do. And when things go right, we look up and say, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally, it is though the boundary of our world, as you can understand. It's a bit like... Um, The Truman Show. We're kind of held captive under this uh, beautiful blue bubble. Yeah, we're in a bubble. And we're actually anchored to the Earth itself by gravity, as everyone knows. Um, And when the sun is shining on us, it comes through our atmosphere. Uh, We really can't see out into space during the day. But at night, when there's no ambient light from the sun, we Mm -hmm. can look out and see the stars twinkling and the black of, of space that we see out there is actually time itself and it's blacker than the blackest coal and it, it's kind of almost blue black it's quite extraordinary
4: because without light there is no color
2: no that's right so there is just black um black is black i spoke to tim storia i met him a couple of times and i i was talking to him and he told me that his earliest memory yes. one of his earliest yep. memories was being taken outside at night by his father as a child to watch the Russian Sputnik, the first satellite ever, pass overhead. And I remember doing the same thing with my father. I was only about five years old, I think, and uh, watching that tiny little pin light just going overhead.
4: A truly amazing thing, and it put the fear of God into the Americans, didn't it? It It did.
2: It did. And, of course, then there's the comets, like Halley's Comet, that I've seen with my father in 1986. Uh, He saw it once before in 1910 as well. I won't be able to see it again. And the Comet McNaught, Mm. 2007, do you remember seeing that in the western skies from down here on the peninsula? It was apparently pretty spectacular. I I didn't see it. It was the most spectacular thing I think I've ever seen. It's
4: got a great name, McNaught. It's like an an anti-hero.
2: Yeah. But look, I... Looking at all these wonderful things in the sky, and mm-hmm. I know artists have been looking at them forever, it prompted Vincent me... Vincent van Gogh, Starry of course, Night. Starry yep. Night. Yep, go mm. right
4: ahead. Sorry to interrupt.
2: No, please do. Um, as I say, I keep looking at Steve in the control room because he will signal us when the first uh, signals come through. I was going to say, say it's
4: very fortunate that he does speak fluent
2: Russian, isn't he? It its indeed. But look, I started to think about me looking up, and I thought, what must it be like to look down? on Earth, through the atmosphere, from the sky. So I'm thinking Major Tom, floating in his tin can, looking down through the haze, and what do they see up there? They see nothing but colour, brilliant colour, all the colours on Earth, they're watching it.
4: All the time.
2: Yeah, and, of course, um, Sputnik... Only lasted about a year. Did you know that's funny? It burnt up and came back in. I don't think it was up all that high. It wasn't. How big was it? I was it was a tiny, basketball. Yeah, medicine it? ball mm. or something like that. But of course, the International Space Station is a monster of a thing. It's bigger than a jumbo jet and heavier than a jumbo jet.
4: That does surprise me.
2: Yeah, it's been put together out of all these little bits and pieces and it's flying at uh, around 30,000 kilometres an hour. So that's.
4: I'll just do the math. So that would be 96 minutes in orbit around the Earth?
2: Yeah, that's correct. At about 8 kilometres a second. So, uh, And it's been doing that now for about 17 years. Anyway, it was recently when, of course, we heard that the crew of the ISS Mm -hmm. uh, had been listening to Arts About. They only get a few minutes, but they've enjoyed listening in. And... um, the Russian cosmonaut uh, who commands this giant machine is Gennady Padalka. Yes. Um, and we're going through the Parkes radio telescope in New South Wales, and we hope to bring you an RPP first. I, I am keeping an eye on Steve for um, when he, he'll and you, and you, signal us when we get our first... Yeah. And you say Gennady's a big arts fan. Well, apparently he loves opera and he does like to paint. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what we thats what we like on this show. Yeah. He he doesn't speak much English, apparently. but um, no.
4: Well, but we've linked in the translator. We so have linked I, in. I've
2: put it on uh,
4: uh, Brendan's visa. Yeah,
2: on yeah. his visa. Perfect. Yeah. Um, look, I think uh, hopefully this will happen. start we're ready. to happen. Yep. In... I can see Steve gesturing wildly there. Well, I'm hoping we're going to get a, uh. a connection within a few seconds. Yeah, the hand's up. Yeah. Um, we'll just keep speaking until. Um, St- standing by. Good evening, Commander Padalka. C- can you hear us, Commander Padalka? Gennady Padalka, Commander of the International Space Station. Welcome to Arts About, streaming to you from Australia.
5: Hello, uh, Australia Sally. Welcome, Sally, to the International Space Station.
2: No, this is Will, not Sally. You've been uh, tuning in to our show for some months now, is that correct? Please,
5: yes, it is a show for art and Australian ladies.
2: Well, it's uh, certainly about art. But you have art ladies, Sally and Sabra? Yes, we do. Uh, And uh, don't forget, we have John and Cliff as well.
5: Oh, yes, old man, fairly silly. And young man John is no too much. Sally is no just right. Sabra is no too. These ladies good arts.
2: Right. Uh, yes. Look, how long have you been on the International Space Station for Commander Padalka?
5: More 800 days to space me, Stream martial ladies Australia.
2: Apparently, you like opera, and you also like to paint yourself. When do you find time for these interests? Please. Can speak, Sally? Sally's not here today, uh, but I do just want to ask you some questions about the relationship between art and science. Is that OK? Do you, do you understand?
5: Not Sally. Why not Sally Uh
2: <laughs> Sally is in Turkey right now, but I'm looking after the show, and I do actually have some interesting questions for you. I want to ask you what it's like uh, to look at the sky from above. Yeah. Back on show, uh, not for a few weeks, uh, Gennady. She's not here, please. She's very busy, and she's asked me to call you for the show. But w- because we heard that you are very interested in art, as well as being a trained aerospace engineer and commander of the International Space Station, do you think this is unusual for a cosmonaut? We speak some too. No, no, look, Sally and Sabra are not here. Uh, they're not here right now. It's just me, and we're running short on time. Our streaming window is going to close very soon. Um, what sort of things do you think about when you do have a quiet moment on the International Space Station? Do you think about food, for example, or swimming? Or do you think about green grass?
5: Think Sally and Sabra is too. Australia ladies. I go Australia when my time is okay. Finished. Missy Higgins.
2: Missy Higgins?
5: What? (laughs) She's saying, my heart on fire, Australia lady.
2: Gennady. Gennady Padauka, can you still hear me? I think we're losing the window. I think we may have lost the window. Uh, Gennady, can you still receive us? This is Arts About through the Parks Radio Telescope. Can you hear us? I'm afraid we've uh, I'm afraid we've lost our streaming connection. Yes, it would seem so. Uh, the International Space Station, of course, is is going seriously fast, right. and at about eight kilometres a second, and it's gone over the horizon. It's going and faster
4: gone. than I can think. I can assure
2: yeah. you. Uh, it's not really what I'd hope to get from the commander. Um, no, no, well, some
4: aren't as passionate as the sky as you are, Well, it seems.
2: Well, possibly not. But that's it nonetheless. And uh, I think that's been a very interesting exercise. And I think we might, on that note, go back to you in the studio.
0: You've been listening to the Arts About Summertime series with a few of our favourite stories and interviews from the archives. If you've just tuned in, you've missed it, but you can hear the repeat on Wednesdays at 12. Arts About is available on air, streaming and from the station website or the RWP phone app. And we also have podcasts for the show available on the Wooshka podcast address you can find by checking into our Facebook page. We're going to be on same time next week, still on holidays, of course, 11 a.m. Sunday. And remember, everybody... We may not know everything about art.
1: We know there's a Russian astronaut out there who's very keen to talk to Sally.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody.